You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 91. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and I am bringing you another incredible interview. I am so excited for you to hear the interview that I have for you today with my amazing guest. She sold her blog for six figures. Not many people have done that. Not many people have the experience that my amazing guest has. And she is sharing her entire journey. She's been blogging for 10 years. She's built several brands. She's sold her blog. She's incredible. She's done so many things online. I just can't wait to dive into her journey and her story with her today. But first, if you are new to the podcast and you don't know me yet, I want to welcome you. I am Monica Louie, and I'm a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist. I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six, seven, and eight-figure online businesses. And I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook Ads, which is my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed more than $3 million in ad spend and served more than 1,000 students and clients. And we are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. And you may have heard about this little update that Apple is doing with iOS 14 and that it's going to affect advertisers like you and me. And my team and I have been navigating those waters. We've been following the changes that Facebook is making to get ready for this update to Apple's iOS 14 operating system. And we have been troubleshooting with our clients, with Facebook. We've been helping our students along the way. And so because of all of this, because this is a major change in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads, I am offering for a limited time $100 off the join fee for Flourish with Facebook ads. And you can use code iOS 100 at checkout to save $100 off, or you could go to monicalouie.com slash iOS 100. So Flourish with Facebook Ads is my signature training program to help you navigate and incorporate any changes that advertisers need to consider now and in the future. And I keep it fully updated as well as things change. So with Flourish, you get access to six value-packed modules that set the foundation to develop your strategy, attract the right audiences, and craft your creative. You get examples, case studies of real-life Facebook ads that convert. You get guidebooks, worksheets, checklists, and cheat sheets to help you implement everything you learn. Plus, with the VIP group coaching program, you get access to the private VIP mastermind group inside Facebook and You get to join our twice monthly live group coaching calls where you can ask your questions, jump into the hot seat. We can share screens. I'll give you feedback on your ads, feedback on your campaigns, on your ad strategy, on your targeting. And you can also get your questions answered in real time in the Flourish VIP Facebook group. We've got amazing VIPs in there that are doing incredible things with their Facebook ads. Plus my team and I are in there answering questions all the time with iOS 14 it's presenting some challenges uh, as Facebook is making adjustments to the platform. And so we are helping our clients navigate these waters. We are helping our students navigate these waters. And I want to help you too. So if scaling and growing your business and flourishing to seven figures is on your plan for 2021, then you know that Facebook and Instagram ads is a great way to get in front of your ideal customers to grow and scale and we can still do that. It's still a great platform to do that with. It's just that you need to be in the loop on the changes that are occurring. So join me in Flourish with Facebook ads at monicalouie.com slash iOS 100. And I will put all the links and resources that I mentioned and our amazing guests mentioned in the episode. And you can find those at monicalouie.com slash 91. All right. So 
Who is this amazing guest? My amazing guest is Carrie Smith Nicholson. She actually used to be a foundational member of my team. So we'll talk about that. She's an online entrepreneur and pro blogger who works as a project manager for virtual teams, as she did for me for so long. So we'll definitely get into that in this interview. In 2018, she sold her finance blog, carefulsense.com for nearly six figures. And she details the process in her book, The Ultimate Guide to Selling a Blog, How to Sell Your Blog for Six Figures and Be Your Own Broker, which is available on Amazon. Carrie's been featured in NBC News, Yahoo Finance, Go Banking Rates, Redbook Magazine, and many other media outlets. When she's not managing virtual teams, she spends her time traveling, blogging, and podcasting over at hashtag coloradolife.com. Carrie shares what that experience was like, how she knew she was ready to sell her blog, how she found a buyer and negotiated that deal, and then why she decided to start all over again in a completely unrelated niche in the travel industry and how she's been growing that at a rapid pace, even while dealing with the challenges of COVID. And of course, we all know how that has affected the travel industry. So this is an incredible interview. I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's just dive right in. Remember, I'll have all the links and resources in the show notes at monicalouie.com slash 91. All right, here is my interview with the amazing Carrie Smith Nicholson from hashtag coloradolife.com. Hey, Carrie, thank you so much for joining me on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. It's always great to chat with you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Me too. This is truly an honor and it's definitely something that came full circle. I'm super excited. Yes. Okay. So as I said in the intro, you used to work with me on the team. You were instrumental in helping me launch the podcast and so many other projects that we work together on and Team Flourish. So it's so fun to bring you back. It's always great to have an excuse to chat with you, but you just have an interesting background when it comes to online business, blogging. You've done a lot of different things. And as I said in the intro, you sold your own blog for almost six figures. So we want to get into all of that. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds great. Okay. So first off, can you go way back when and tell me, you know, what led you to get into this whole blogging world, online business? How did you become aware of it, that it was a thing? And what led you to taking the leap and starting your own blog? I didn't know it was a thing until I had already started a blog. So that was just me being, I guess, super ambitious. That's my personality. So originally I started my first blog in 2011. And at that time I was working full-time at a day job for uh, an accounting or I was in accounting. And then I also did prep taxes on the side. So during tax season, I would do small business taxes. And so I was really busy and I guess I wanted to be busier. And so I actually was sitting down with a lot of small business owners during my tax prep and stuff like that. And they all had similar questions. And I thought, wow, it would be really interesting if I started a blog or a website where I could answer all these questions. And while I was doing that, I was very into paying off all my debt. I you know, had just listened to Dave Ramsey and I was really interested in that whole personal finance space, which had at that time had just started budding you know, and started growing. So So I was really intensely trying to pay off my own debt. I had $14,000 of consumer debt and I wanted to start a blog to detail like my accountability of it, as well as talking about like personal finance questions, business questions and stuff like that. So when I started it, I really did not have a plan. I don't even remember. I know I started off on like blogger or blogspot at that time. And then I switched it over to WordPress, but I don't even remember the theme that I had. Like it was super basic. I did it all myself and I had no idea what I was doing. And then as, as time progressed, I got, I really found a really good interest in it. After two years, I decided to quit my day job and go full-time at that time. I was freelance writing and blogging. So I was working with other personal finance blogs and other people in the industry to create create content for their websites or their businesses. And I was actually doing really well, obviously enough to quit my day job. And I still did taxes on the side for a couple of years after that. 
And then that kind of morphed into just the whole journey of entrepreneurship. Like you said, I tried out a lot of different things. I was co-host of a personal finance podcast for three years. And, and this is just like a really quick recap of everything. But these days I sold that blog. The first one, I started a new one. I bought a different one. I've tried a bunch of different things. But throughout the whole time, I've always loved working with small business owners and people as project manager or like on their team as a writer. I did a lot of social media assisting work in the beginning times, just learning everything I could about the online space and online marketing. And I really, truly love online marketing, which is part of the reason that drew me to working with your team is obviously you're in Facebook ads and online marketing, and you're like one of the best marketers I've seen, you know, and I really learned a lot from that. And I just brought it into my own, uh, my own space, even just for myself and my own business and just how much I love marketing. So that's kind of how I went from personal finance into just online marketing in general but I still work with personal finance businesses today and I still have clients that are in that space. So I love it. Okay. So (laughs) quite a lot that you have done over the years. I mean, here we are 10 years later. Can you believe it from when you started? I know. I feel old. Yeah. In the online space. (laughs) (laughs) You were, you were one of the, you know, as we say, OGs of the, of the personal finance, right? Because in the FinCon community, you know, there are several of you that got together when FinCon first launched back in 2011. And I know you were at the first one and many others Mm -hmm. since then. So anyway, you you've really been in this space for a very long time. So it's just so cool to like have the opportunity to, to pick your brain about all of it. And yes, I mean, working on my team, you're just fantastic. I mean, I remember when you and I met, well, first of all, let me go back actually, because your blog, I remember when I was getting into blogging and I found your blog and it was just like, oh my gosh, look at this girl. And she is just rocking it online. And then when I met you at my first FinCon, I was like, there she is, Karen. (laughs) (laughs) And it was an honor to meet you. And I remember thinking that you were shorter than I expected. (laughs) Do you remember that? Likewise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But anyway, so it was just like, you were one of like the first like online celebrities that I got to meet in person. So you were inspiring me to figure out what I can do online way back when too. And I also found just from an entrepreneurial perspective, your blog really helpful to figure out like, you know, business taxes and business finance type questions. You have a lot of answers on your blog that you now sold there. So it was a really great resource. Okay. When you quit your job two years in, you you mentioned that you were freelance writing. Were you making money from your blog at that point? And what did like your revenue streams on your blog eventually become? At that point, I don't think I was making much money from my blog, maybe working with a few companies for sponsored content or something like that. I didn't really have any ideas uh, that you could make money from blogging. I was strictly using it as a platform, more like a portfolio for my freelance writing work. And I was really big into that for about four years, actually. And I did a lot of freelance writing uh, full time. And then I would say around 2015, 2016, at that time, I started uh, Uh, learning more about affiliate marketing. I tried putting ads on my blog, like, you know, just blog advertising and things like that. And it didn't really work well for my audience and my community. I started learning a little bit more about Google analytics and tracking things and seeing what was working and what wasn't. And I noticed that affiliate marketing was a really smart move in the finance space, especially because I loved looking at and reviewing tools specifically for small business owners. So I did a lot of QuickBooks, self-employed tools, a lot of, you know, other personal finance tools like Mint and things. And I would review them and talk about them, do tutorials. And I found that I, you know, that was really popular and I was really helping people. So I started trying to do affiliate marketing, working with those brands, become an affiliate partner. And that's really started taking off around that time. And I found out I really, really loved it. It was a really fun way for me to earn revenue from my blog. As it grew, it actually started uh, eclipsing what I was earning from writing. And so around 2016, 2017, I decided to really hone in on that and just focus on affiliate marketing specifically, and not so much the writing that I had done the previous like four years or so. And I really enjoyed that. So my blog was like my full-time income, mostly from affiliate marketing. I think at the peak of it, because I have looked at reports from when I saw sold it. It was around 40 to $45,000 a year that I was earning just from affiliate marketing from the 
blog. So just one income stream. And then I was earning other things like sponsored content. I did have, you know, brands that I was working with as a brand ambassador. I, I was working with QuickBooks as a brand ambassador at that time and a couple other bigger companies too. Um, I worked with Chase on a really large campaign, Capital One, like had me drive out to cover a whole event, a whole weekend. And I did all that. So I was really getting to work with really cool companies in the space that I had always like, you know, worked with as a private consumer. So that was really fun. So, and then up until I sold my blog, it was just mostly all affiliate marketing. Didn't really have any products or anything. I did create some courses, but I didn't spend a lot of time marketing them or, or anything like that because I just found that affiliate marketing was so much more fun and I was really good at it. And so I just decided to focus on that. Yeah. So you found your sweet spot and decided to, to stick with it. So mm-hmm. I'm curious about the becoming a brand ambassador and, you know, going from, you know, a few years earlier, not really making much money with your, with your blog or, you know, realizing, you know, the various ways of making money potentially with the blog to then, you know, negotiating these deals with these big brands. How did those come about? And do you have any tips for people on negotiating who may be in the spot of negotiating those kinds of deals and projects? I was really dedicated to learning as much as I could about, you know, the online space and making money blogging and everything. I tried a lot of different things, as you know. (laughs) And so when I discovered that you could become a brand ambassador and work with people and, and create a sort of deal with them, whatever package it might be that you, you know, work for them in exchange for some sort of monetary value or compensation that they would give you, whether it was like through products or, you know, anything they would give you access to. And so when I started learning more about that, it was mostly just watching YouTube videos or reading other blogs of other people who had done that at that time. I also think I was working for Larry Ludwig, who at the time had owned Investor Junkie, and he was a really big affiliate marketer. And so I learned a lot from working on his team as well for almost three years. So there was just like so much that I was taking in and learning at the time. But I was also a really big proponent of you know, the personal finance space and finance in general is a really high converting space and there's a lot of money in it. And I knew that, and just to be frank. (laughs) And so I was like, well, I know that Capital One is a corporate company or or Chase or QuickBooks or something like that. And I know that my blog is really, like it does really well. I think at that time it was like 50,000 to 60,000 page views a month. So it was pretty decent and was above average, not like huge, like investor junkie or something like that but it was above average. And so I just negotiated deals based on the value that I knew I could bring. And then the space of how I knew much, how much money they had basically. And I also got to the point where I started asking them what their budget was instead of telling them what I charged. And most of the time they would come back, you know, double or more than what I would have said that I charged. So just asking like, Hey, yeah, I would love to work on this project. What's your budget for it? Usually open doors a lot more of what, the, you know, original price would have been for my rate. Yeah. That's a great tip because you're, you're like raising the bar, you know, that you're not limiting yourself by putting it on them to say, what is your budget here? You know, what, how much room do we, do we have to talk about? So then as far as like negotiating those contracts, did you get like a lawyer to look over those things or did you just review it? I'm just curious about that side of things because from like a, you know, a solopreneur working with a large brand like that, I would just want to make sure that there's nothing in there that I maybe am unaware of or something like that. So did you, did you do that at all? I did not have a lawyer or anything. I had a pretty good knowledge base of my full-time job was actually in the oil and gas business. So I understood leases and writing up contracts to purchase land. And I I did a lot of that. Uh, I did a little bit of what is considered landman work. That's an occupation in the oil and gas industry where you go and you go to the courthouse and you look through all of the different ways, you know, back when people used to own the land and who they sold it to and just kind of figuring out who owns what and like parcels of land and stuff. So I had a little bit of real estate knowledge there in the oil and gas business. And I knew what contracts needed to say and for the most part. And so sometimes I would like ask a friend of mine who had a bigger blog or, you know, something to look over it. But for the most part, I pretty much looked over everything and I drew up everything myself. And I knew if I had it in writing and I kept the records of it because, you know, my tax accounting background too, you need a record of everything. And I just would make sure that they stuck to their 
their, what they agreed to and what I agreed to and had it in writing. And I never had any problems. All of my deals all went through. I always got paid. Sometimes I had to follow up to get paid, of course, but I definitely put on the pressure and really held them to their word because I had it in the contract. And then I also ended up taking all that knowledge and brokering my own deal when I sold my blog. So I I felt really comfortable doing it all myself. I wouldn't necessarily say that other people should do that, but if you feel capable and you are comfortable with it, you can do it for sure. You don't always have to hire a lawyer. Okay. That's a good way to, I mean, good thing to point out is because if you have that experience in negotiating contracts, then definitely, you know, pull that experience into this. But if not, maybe find somebody who does or consult a lawyer, get a second pair of eyes on it to make sure that it all looks legit, that everything is clearly spelled out and document that you are, you know, doing your end of the bargain along the way as well. I was going to say that another thing you could do too, which I would say that I I would have liked to have done is, you know, work with an agency who can help broker those deals. Some like, like a media agency or brand agency, that would be super helpful. And I would have preferred to have done that once I started getting a little bit more popular and a little bit more busy because they can help find you more deals. Of course they do take a cut, but you know, if you feel comfortable doing it yourself, then yes, definitely do it. Save your money, you know, save the money you would spend on, you know, paying someone. But these days with the other blogging projects that I have and stuff like that, I am hoping to move that off my plate onto, you know, an agency that can kind of broker those deals and negotiate them for me. And that will also, you know, typically take care of all the contracts and the back and forth and stuff too. Okay. That's great. So how do we find like that, those agencies, what do we Google for? Or where can we kind of look for resources for, you know, which agencies might be the most reputable? Well, one thing I've learned, so the the blog that I own now is in the travel niche, which is totally different. It is much more difficult to broker deals, I found. I've had to do different like ideas or methods or, or offerings, I should say, for what they're looking for and what I'm looking for because their budget is different. So one thing I've done is like talk to other people in the travel niche. So whatever niche you're in, talk to other people, whether it's Facebook groups. I, you know, well, before uh, 2020s sort of disaster of a year, I was in a couple of like in-person groups where I would go to every Tuesday and we would talk about business. And, you know, I'd have connections there of other people in the same niche who had recommendations for agencies they work with. As I got into the finance space, you know, I was, I did it for seven and a half, eight years. And so I had contacts or people I met at conferences, especially that could help broker those deals and would understand the niche that they're in. I found that niche specific stuff is actually really important important and it's totally different for the most part. I mean, you know, travel and finance is pretty, pretty different. So maybe it's just because I chose two totally different ones opposition, but for the most part, you know, if you can stick to a niche, like even, even hiring an accountant who understands online business is going to serve you better than a regular accountant or CPA who doesn't know anything about online business. So just really honing in on, you know, what niche you're in and then just asking around. Yes, you can do some Googling or something like that. I have found that sometimes people will reach out to me via email. They'll find you and come to you, but usually recommendations or word of mouth from people who are in the niche you're in seems to work really well. Yeah. And that's so true. I mean, just thinking about how we met, right. was because we were in this, you know, in the FinCon Facebook group, and then we met in person at FinCon. And so we put ourselves in those networking positions. And I know in my business, that's certainly helped me to, you know, be in masterminds and join Facebook groups of like-minded people and also be in people or be in, in spaces and groups with people in my own niche, you know, other Facebook ads agencies have served me as well. So, um, so you can definitely learn from others. So that's a great, that's a great tip. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then moving on, we kind of got to 2017 and 2017 is when we ended up starting to work together. So I'll share my version and then I'd love to hear yours. <laughs> so my version is that in 2017, I officially dove into, you know, Facebook ads. Back then I was a coach full time and just my fast growing business. There was a lot of interest in Facebook ads, of course, and getting really great results. I, at Being in the FinCon community starting there, that's where a lot of my first clients came from because my name started to be kind of mentioned as somebody with Facebook ads experience. And then I eventually became known as like the Facebook ads expert in that group. So my business was going really quickly. And I quickly saw that 
I was running out of space with my calendar to do the one-on-one coaching that I had been doing. And so going into the summer of 2017, I knew that I needed help with project management. And I remember that I saw, I was following you, of course, on Facebook and you were doing a lot of like, I think you were doing weekly Facebook lives and Uh Facebook live was like fairly new at that point. And you're doing weekly Facebook lives. And I remember I watched one of them and you said that you were thinking about doing VA work and, and maybe getting in back back into that. So I messaged you on Facebook and I was like, if you are interested, I just know that you're amazing. And I would love to see if there's a way that we can work together. I don't know if I have a lot to give you, but I'd love to, you know, have a conversation. So we ended up chatting and then you came on board and I just knew that you had so much knowledge and experience. And if you could, you know, just share a little bit of that with me and growing my business, that that would just, you know, help it grow even more. So then, I, you know, I said that, I said, I don't know how much work I have to give you, but, um, you know, I'd love to work with you. And then it was like the next week that I decided, okay, I'm creating a course, which became Flourish with Facebook ads. And I gave myself a really tight deadline. This was August um, when we started working together. And then I said that I was going to launch it like the end of September. So then you and I hustled. We worked together to create and launch the course. It was our first big project together. And then we had several others after that, but we just kind of hit the ground running and you were super instrumental in helping me grow my business. So I'd love to hear your, your take on how, how it all started. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much exactly how it was for me too. I always found it so awesome and interesting that, you know, I got the job for working with a Facebook ads marketer and coach at that time uh, from a Facebook live. I just thought that was, you know, super amazing and serendipitous and it was really cool, but yeah, everything that you said was pretty much how it went down for me. I do remember coming on board yet. We hit the ground running and, you know, we do look back at it now and think you didn't have much work for me, you thought, but you really did. And I was able to, you know, always have plenty of work. And I was, it was so fun working on your team. I was able to just mostly focus on that you as my client. And then maybe just one more at the time. I never really had a lot of clients because I love the work so much with you and your team. And I think I was like the first hire and there wasn't really anyone else besides maybe a few contractors you're working with here and there. And then we were able to build the team from there and build your first course and everything. And it was such a fun experience. It really was. You taught me how to use different tools that I never used before to make it more efficient, which I just always loved. You know, I'd worked on other teams before and managed a bunch of people, but it streamlined it even more so. So yeah, I learned a lot as well. And it was a, it was really fun getting, you know, to work with you. Yeah. You helped establish the processes, like many of the foundational processes that we still use today and you helped launch the podcast. So you were like all about, you had had your own podcast by that point. And so you had that experience as well. And then you helped me just plan and meet our, our, you know, quick turnaround deadline. Apparently I like to come up with these quick turnaround deadlines for these big projects. (laughs) But so we launched the podcast back in May of 2019 and just everything was just super successful. So it was so great working with you. And so, and during that time, we were working together. That's when you sold your blog. So I remember you had kind of said like you were thinking about it. And then one day, I mean, the deal was done and you were making money off this blog that you had invested, you know, so many years in. So can you share about what made you start to come to that realization that you were ready to move on past the blog? You know, this baby, quote unquote, a lot of us, you know, call call our first blogs our babies and mm-hmm. And so it's something to to move on from. But how, what was that like for you? How did you know that you were ready? If somebody's out there, you know, listening to this, thinking, well, you know, I might want to sell my blog, but I don't know if I'm ready or if I could let go of that attachment. How did you deal with that? How did you come to that conclusion that you were ready? I had owned the blog for a long time. And during that time, I did have a lot of transitions, you know, so you you hinted to it a little bit when I decided to open up BA work and, and working as a, ma- a manager again on other teams. I had done like editorial managing before, content managing, other things like that. And so I went from freelance writing to working on my blog full-time a little bit. Then I went back to opening up client work again. And so I kind of went back and forth and I 
I wanted, I've always wanted to have a blog that would pay my bills full time so that I could be my own client and I wouldn't necessarily have to work with clients. I always like to, but you know, the, the difference between need and want. And so I always wanted to work with clients, but not necessarily have like five or six of them, maybe just one or two and just do it because I enjoy it. And, you know, side hustle, get paid on the side kind of thing. So in 2017, I really thought about, you know, I was spending a a lot of hours on your team and really getting that going and started. I also found that I was really good at the first two years of growing a business. I'd worked on other startups in the space, and I I really loved that sort of two-year startup phase. Just as a side note, I wanted to say that because I found my love of it for your, when I worked on your team and I was really good at it, getting that jump start. But in 2017, I was really evaluating, you know, where I wanted my blog to go. It kind of hit a plateau of not only traffic, but revenue and time that I needed to invest. And it came to a point where I would basically either need to double down or sell. So spend more time, spend more resources, spend more money to invest in it and really grow it or sell it. And so someone else could do that. And I spent a lot of time preparing the blog in 2017. Like I really bulked up the Pinterest, you know, so really seeing if I could get Pinterest traffic going, getting the blog traffic going again. Um, Cause at that time I kind of scaled back and was only writing maybe one or two blog posts a month. So really writing more content, really getting my brand stuff tied up uh, in case I wanted to sell or in case I wanted to bring more people on. I kind of took off some of my personal photos and, you know, rejigged all of the content. I'd went through this huge content audit, deleted a lot of stuff, redirected a lot, combined a lot. So I was really trying to see if I could get the traffic to increase and also make it more organized. And so then when 2018 rolled around, I did think about that in January of that year, like, what if I did sell it? What if I gave it to someone else? How would that feel? You know, cause it was my baby. I was super attached to it. I had a business coach at the time who kind of helped me come to that decision and really work through it. So I started working on the blog as if I was going to sell it. Like I said, really cleaning it up, making it look really good, have all of uh, you know the backend stuff as well, like all of the URLs, they were really clean and making sure that you know I had a good idea of everything in a spreadsheet too. So they could see like past performance, kept a lot of my Google analytics reports and stuff like that. So I was really collecting all that. And someone did reach out to me in, I didn't announce it or anything yet. They found me through Google, which is also, ironic because I do find myself, you know, that I really love SEO and I was really good at that too. So they found me through Google, through a blog post, reached out to ask if I was interested in selling the blog. And I said, yes. And I think at that time they offered me $18,000. And so uh, sort of spoiler alert, they were the people who eventually paid me 93,000. So it's the same wow. people. <laughs> wow. um, there you go. Yeah. So, um, but basically I just said, no, like I knew the value of my blog and I was like, no way. And that was at the beginning of summer. I pretty much didn't respond to any other emails or anything like that was my negotiating tactic was just basically no. So they came back in August, September and they're like, okay, we've reevaluated everything. We have an investor and I want to pay you for this amount. And then we negotiated back and forth and I ended up getting 31 times, I think it was 31 and a half times revenue, monthly revenue as the factor that I used to come up with the value of the blog. And that's what we settled on. So I was making around, I think it was 2,500 to $3,000 a month from the blog. And then I did 31 and a half times that to come up with the final sale price. I got 78,000 in cash and then I got paid additional over six months to work on the team and to help hand everything off. And I also got the all of the revenue that I made through the end of that year, they continued to pay from those affiliate programs. So I got a, a lot of additional money on top of that. Um, which I thought was a really good deal. So I, I negotiated for, you know, almost the whole year, it seemed like, of whether I was prepping the blog or actually negotiating. Or at that time, I did reach out to other people to let them know I was interested in selling the blog. I had three other offers on the table. So three three in total, two others plus this one. And this is the one that turned out the best. And I was really comfortable with the person. I'd never met him before. He actually owns a bunch of other blogs and stuff front and he's a Canadian blogger. So that was really interesting. And he still owns it with his team today. So 
Yeah. And you can go check it out. It's at carefulsense.com. So care from Carrie, but carefulsense.com. And it, I mean, it looks really clean. And so can we still find your old articles on, on the blog as well? Yeah. All of the articles that are still like pertinent to the content. So like I said, I did cull a lot of them and cleaned up a lot of them from like, you can't really see any of my debt journey stuff on there anymore. I took that off many years ago and, you know, sort of like the personal bloggy kind of things, but yeah, like the, you know, if you want to create an LLC or if you want to file your taxes, or if you want to look at my QuickBooks self-employed review, it's all still there. Yeah. Love it. Very cool. So did you at some point, like during this process, did you consider reaching out or finding a broker or, cause I know you didn't use it. You just negotiated yourself, but did you consider going that path? Did you look at the pros and cons of doing that? I did. Yes. One of my friends, so I live in Colorado Springs right now. I have lived in Colorado for about the past five years. And uh, one of my friends who lived really close to me in the same city, he owns a really big successful blog in a totally random, like swimming niche, totally different, but he had sold a blog too. And so I asked him, can I get a copy of just like the template of your contract? And then I filled in all of my details and stuff like that. And so when I started doing that, I was like, maybe I could have somebody else do this. So I did look at a broker. He had a couple of recommendations. I chatted with one person and basically everything they knew I knew. So I was like, maybe I can just do this myself. And I did a little bit of research. I also did think about using a site like flippa.com. I think there was one other one and I got estimates for what my blog was worth. And again, I knew the value of my stuff. And I was like, no, that is too low. I'm not going to go with that. So I just decided to do it myself, keep the the broker fee for myself, which would have been, you know, fairly substantial. Uh, usually it's, you know, I think between two to 5%, maybe even up to 10% of what the sale price was. And I was like totally willing to do the work myself to keep that. So that's how I, I just decided to do it myself. I talked to my friend, he gave me a template and I, like I said, filled in all the details that I wanted. And then when I sent it over to the investor, their team looked at it and they made a few small tweaks and then that's what we used. So actually worked out really nice. Very cool. Okay. So, and you were in a really good place that you were being really smart about it. I mean, you did the work, you knew the value, you already knew how to negotiate deals and contracts and things like that. And you weren't in a rush either. I think you were mm-hmm. more of like, you know, if it works out and I find a seller you make it a great deal, then great. But if not, like where you, you weren't really at the place and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you were at the place where you're like, okay, I really got to get this off my hands. You know, whatever offer is comes my way, you know, I'm going to take it. Correct. Yeah. I definitely took my time. And if I wasn't going to end up selling it, I was going to keep it and potentially just invest more time and money into it. So, yeah. Yeah. So did you have any kind of like withdrawals or anything after the fact of like, it's really gone. You know, I've sold, I've sold my baby. Did you have anything like that? Or was it like, this feels right. It feels good. Or it's a relief. Where were you like on the range of emotions after it all went down? It was pretty much a relief at that point. You know, I sold it in October of 2018. So I had been thinking about it or working on it with this plan to sell it for, you know, 10 months. It was very much a relief. And it was also a little bit, it was sad because I had spent so many years on it, but in true Carrie style, I pulled up a spreadsheet and I looked at all of the years of money and time invested into it. And then how much, including the sale price that I got out of it. And I wanted to see if it was profitable or not. And essentially what I got out of it was what I had put in. I think it was $250,000 ish that I had put in. And that's approximately what I got out. So I wasn't too upset that I sold it at that point because I I felt like, why was I working, for, you know, all this time for all this effort to basically, you know, balance even. And so I think it, you know, it was a little bit profitable, which was good. But of course, I had no idea what I was doing all those years. I was spending on money and things I shouldn't have, you know, all the things. So I know that a lot better now, but it was a relief. And also I was so burned out too at that time. I really wanted a break. And I took like a six month break after that, basically didn't do anything, didn't start any other projects, didn't buy anything, didn't do anything, didn't write for blogs. I basically just worked for you and one other client that I had at the time. And that was it. And I did nothing else. (laughs) I watched Netflix, but um, 
No, it was a really great experience because I also was able to transition off of the team and I had monthly calls with the people who bought it and showed them everything and transitioned it all, did little trainings, you know, stuff for them so they could find everything and make sure to hand it off. So it wasn't like super cold turkey. I did have a few months there that I was getting paid for my time to help transition it off, but I was pretty much for the most part relieved and just ready for a break too. I actually thought I would never get back into blogging. I didn't think I would go back into it. I thought I would just do client work and do the online space. And then after six months, I started a whole new blog in 2019, which I'm just like, what was I thinking? But okay. (laughs) Well, so I definitely want to get into that. But I mean, it really was, it, it sounds like it was a really great asset for you as far as like, you know, you got to test a lot of things. You got to learn about you know, different marketing strategies, different payment or income streams, revenue streams. You used it early on as your portfolio for freelance writing. I mean, you really, you know, on top of the money, it sounds like it really did a lot for you for the long term as well. So, and I mean, how cool I know whenever anybody asks me about selling my blog, like I point them to you because you did all the, all the right things. My blog I had for, you know, just over a year and a half. And then it was just really easy. It made sense when I was ready to move on from it. One of my friends and clients wanted to buy it. And so it just worked out really smoothly, but you really did all the work to like get it ready to go and make it a really, you know, appealing asset for somebody to want to buy. And it worked out beautifully. It sounds like. Yeah, I definitely put in the time and effort. And I do tell people that now, like if you don't have to sell it right now, take the time and effort to to clean it up and make it really nice. Make sure that none of your personal photos or your face isn't on there because when they buy it, they buy all of that, Um, especially if they're buying the social media handles and other things like that. Really clean it all up and make it a brand and not about you. Um, That takes a while. If you have the time, you'll definitely get more money for it if you can take it and, and do that properly. Yeah, that's something I didn't do. I didn't really think about it, but I didn't take off my pictures. So my, uh, my blog was our family blog, getting out of debt. And so I had pictures of me and pictures of my family on there. And as I was, you know, diving deeper and deeper into this Facebook ads world, people that wanted to work with me are like, are you still doing the blog and the debt freedom stuff or what's going on? I'm like, no, I sold Uh it. So it was a little bit confusing. So if I had to go back, I definitely would have, would have cleaned it up before, you know, the, the transition. So then you had another itch to start something new in the space. And so where did this idea come from? You've already said in the travel space. So tell us about, you know, how this idea came about and did you have thoughts about like, do I really want to do this because I've had a break or, you know, what did that conversation with yourself and your husband look like? It was interesting to go through that process with myself because I knew I wanted to do something, but I wasn't sure what it was. And so I was like, what can I start? What can we start? I wanted it to be a a project that I co-owned. I didn't want to do by myself, been there, learned from that. And I do really well in partnerships. The blog, sorry, the podcast that I co-hosted was with someone who was a Canadian finance blogger. And that worked so well. Like it was very successful. It was getting about 30,000 downloads a month. And we started it and collaborated with together. And it grew from there. And it got even more downloads towards the end when we stopped doing it about three years later. And so I was like, all of the And when I collaborate with business owners too, all of my collaborations seem to work really well. So I knew I wanted to do that. I didn't want to do it by myself. And I wanted it to be something that was a, what I classified as like a project that was minimal for me for time and effort. And, but it also like start a blog and minimal time and effort. Like even to this day, that just sounds silly for me to think that, but I have done that. I've spent so many years and so much time refining my process, understanding what it exactly the points that I need to work on to, for it to grow without spending so much time and effort. Um, I've really created a good system. And even with like how much blog content I write and the platforms that I focus on and what I'm good at, I really just streamline everything. So I talked to Ryan, who's my husband, and I said, I would love to start a local travel blog because I want it to be something that is accessible 
So we talked about accessible adventures that people can have on their phone, on the go. So whether it's content right now, we have a podcast, YouTube channel, whatever it would be like something on their phone. So it's accessible adventures. And if we need to go do some, you know, research or look at a place or talk about something, we can drive to it and basically get paid to travel around our state. So I was super strategic about the idea. I knew what I wanted. I knew what I didn't want. I didn't want something that was like a ton of time and effort. I did keep research. I found a really good niche. And so I started that in on April 9th, 2019 was our first podcast episode. And we talked about moving to Colorado. And by the way, that is our most popular episode. Even to this day, a lot of people want to move to Colorado. They want to live in the state, explore the state. So it's a Colorado travel podcast. And Ryan was born and raised here in Colorado Springs. He moved out, you know, and moved a couple other places because he's a chef. And so he eventually moved back here with me or I moved to be with him and his family. And so we've lived here for the past five years and it has worked out really, really well to, you know, learn about the state. You get paid to travel. We have a podcast and a blog and uh, we're starting a YouTube channel as 2021 goals. And so I wanted to do it in parts. So very strategic and the blog content, I write about two blog posts a week myself. Most of the content I've written myself, I have had a writer who has been super awesome to work with from time to time. She'll help me with, you know, more in-depth stuff. I had a podcast producer help us start the podcast. And then Ryan has done the editing ever since, and we have kept the same production system. So we do that every other Friday, we release a new podcast episode. So I was very strategic on like the scope of the project and like also things I wouldn't be working on. So we don't have Twitter. We don't have Facebook and uh, we do focus on Instagram about once a week or so. And I don't have Pinterest right now. We don't have an email list either. You know, so I was very like, no, no, no. I don't want all these things to take all of my time and effort. And currently the blog averages about $2,000 to $2,500 a month. And it's not even two years old yet. So we're really hoping to expand that this year and like, you know, go above and beyond what we're even making now. But I would like to have an email list. Like I would like to, you know, do Pinterest and other things, but my sweet spot is SEO, affiliate marketing, those sorts of things. And that's just really what I focus on and really have grown it from. So you started it April of 2019, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So then approximately a year later, the world shuts down and here you are in the travel industry. So can you share a little bit about, you know, what was that like being, you know, fairly new in the travel industry and then the world seems to come to a halt. Um, What did that look like for this new business that you've created and how have you guys maneuvered with that? That was definitely, well, no one saw that coming, right? And it was definitely a struggle uh, for a few months. So yes, our we were on track to apply for our site for Mediavine in, I believe it was April or March or April of 2019. And we didn't get onto Mediavine until October. So that's how much of the delay that everything caused us. And I definitely would have been further ahead in my financial goals and where I wanted to be right now but it was okay. Like we, we did bounce back from it and we learned from it. So we did stop the podcast and paused it for, I think it was a month or two. We didn't produce a lot of content because we were trying to figure it out. And like, how can we, what can we post about this? We don't want to be tone deaf, but we also don't want to, we want to help people, you know, find an escape and really still enjoy the outdoors and enjoy the state, but also the state is closed, you know, and really adhere to the guidelines. And even to this day, there are some places we don't recommend people to go hike at or to go see or go camp at because they are so overrun with everyone who's trying to get outdoors and enjoy the space while they're, everything was on lockdown for a while and even so to now. And so we don't want to recommend that people do that because we're trying to help preserve nature. And some of the places have been closed since, and some of the hiking spaces have been, you, you, you can't hike as many trails as you would originally. So we learned a lot through that. We were really able to morph our stuff a little bit more. And we live in Colorado Springs, like I said. So the state did allow us to go within 20 miles of our house. So we really focused a lot more on what was close to us. And we were able to share content and reviews of different places. We couldn't do any of our restaurant stuff. We had restaurant deals with people where we'd go and try food and talk about their food or whatever. We had to, all that got canceled. So we really just 
pivoted and focused more on what was helpful at the time. We did do other stuff that was more virtual, like ways you can see some of the awesome murals that are in our state and things like that, that you can watch virtually or visit a virtual museum that we have all the different botanic gardens that are here. You can go and view them virtually. So we started covering more of those topics just as examples, but it did set us back on our goals. And also during this time, so this was, you know, the first part of 2019 through summer, uh, Mediavine changed their requirements that you had to go from 25,000 sessions to 50,000 sessions to get onto their platform. So if you're, you know, an avid blogger or anything, you know that Mediavine is one of the really good and high quality advertising platforms and companies to work with. And they help basically sort of how AdSense is, but they are a Google certified partner and they work with other people as well, not just what, you know, people who are advertising on Google. So we wanted to do that. It does really well for the travel space as well as like other cooking blogs or food blogs and stuff like that. All those sort of more picture-based niches. So that was why we wanted to focus on that. And we didn't get there until October when we got 50,000 sessions instead of the 25. And then the pandemic definitely put a, our traffic went down quite a bit. You can even see it in her Google Analytics for March and April. And then it picked back up over the summer. And then by fall, it really picked up again. And then even so over the holidays, and then even to this year, it has been, it's a little more volatile than I would have probably guessed it would have been. But, you know, you just make concessions for it and you pivot how you can. And our whole goal, like I said, was accessible adventures and how can we help people still enjoy the state and the place they live in if they can't go outside or if they can't go to a restaurant or something. And I feel like everybody across the world has had to work with that idea in some sort. So we kind of just made it work how we could. Congratulations on hitting Mediavine. Your traffic is really growing. That's incredible. And so people can check out the blog at... It's called hashtag coloradolife.com and it's the word hashtag spelled out. The word hashtag. I love it. And the podcast is of the same name. And then on Instagram, as well, as you mentioned at hashtag Colorado life, all spelled out, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Love it. Very cool. Okay. So for those of us interested in maybe visiting Colorado at some point, where would you like, what are the can't miss spots or maybe some like hidden gems? that people, you know, aren't as popular, but are really, you know, majestic or, you know, cool to see, cool experiences. What would you suggest? Yeah. So we've had a unique opportunity to live in all three of the main cities along the front range, which is along the Rocky mountains. Uh, So when we first moved here, well, we actually spent six months living in Denver for a short time. Then that was in 2013. And then we came back and we had an apartment in Boulder for about three years. And then we bought a house in Colorado Springs. So any of those cities we have lived in and at some point and love and everything you can go and see there is pretty amazing. We've been to a lot of the mountain towns and everything for sure. But I would say that our favorite city is Colorado Springs. Obviously, it's our home base. We love it so much. It reminds me a lot more of Texas, which is where I'm from, because it's much bigger. Everything is more sprawled out. You have to have a car to get to everywhere, whereas like Denver and Boulder are more walkability. But the mountains are just so pretty everywhere that you go. And there's just such amazing things to see. But as far as like must-see, can't miss, I mean, Pikes Peak is called America's Mountain. It's the one that America the Beautiful was written uh, about. And I didn't know that until I moved here. So, you know, what up American history for me? But that is a really cool thing. We get to see it actually from my office window every day. I can see the mountain. And uh, so that's really cool. If you can go there and see it, definitely check that out. Um, Beware of the altitude though. It is very, very high very high, like 14,000 feet, but you can look at it from anywhere. So any photos like that, but really anything in the state is super amazing. I mean, like I said, they, they have these things where they call them like a park, you know, or you can go visit this park or hike at this park. And it's basically like rugged Colorado country. It's not really a park. It's actual like woods and wildlife and stuff that you can see. So, I mean, we will drive to hike at this quote park and we'll see, you know, all kinds of deer 
and like like herds of elk and like just all kinds of wildlife. I mean, we've seen foxes and just all kinds of stuff. So when they say park, let's go to the park and hike. I mean, it's going to be a hike. You better wear hiking boots and it's not like a Texas park. So um, anything like that. I mean, we love all of it. We have a huge uh, list, like 19 places that are on our bucket list this year. There's so many like hot springs that you can go see that naturally come out of the ground and you can just go and lay in them and they're like a hundred plus degrees. It's amazing. You know, so there's so much stuff you can do here. I'd be here all day, probably listing things, but I love it. <laughs> Sounds amazing. I, I only drove through like the quarter of Colorado when we were moving here from the Northwest to Texas. But what I did see was absolutely gorgeous. So I can't wait to visit one day and I will definitely check those places out. So with your, I mean, vast experience, 10 years in this blogging slash online world. What are your predictions for where things are headed in 2021, especially, you know, with the pandemic and, you know, any other outlying factors, what do you see coming down, you know, down in the future for online marketing and blogging? I still think that SEO is a really big part of content marketing. I do think that a lot of the sites like Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook have the opportunity for, you know, like page advertising, YouTube advertising. I've been getting into more. I have a client who does YouTube ads. So I've been learning a little bit more about that also for myself, but a large majority of just like organic traffic and organic views, I guess you could say is SEO. So search engine optimization and content that you create for search. And I think that that will always have a place. I think it will, it's going to change and it has already changed a little bit in the past couple of years of what Google ranks and, you know, what YouTube ranks things like that. I I know even Pinterest too, it is a search engine as well. You know, really thinking about like how search content people interact with it. And then also, you know, I really like the idea of having all the content in your pocket you know, so I think that that's going to have a bigger place, whether it's a podcast that people are listening to, which is why I love podcasts too. And then also uh, YouTube videos. So a lot more people are watching YouTube videos. They're getting into that. They're even, you know, you can get it by a TV. Like we watch YouTube on our TV, like episodes and stuff like that of different people we follow or things we want to learn or uh, Ryan loves like Bon Appetit and he has a subscription to that because he's a chef. And so we watch all of those episodes, you know, as actually actual TV that people used to do, I think it's going to be more like in your pocket or on your TV type of things. And even when you, you know, we have a Google home or you ask uh, Alexa, tell me this or ask a question. The things that come up from there are things that have been, you know, quantified by Google as reputable sites or something like that, or that's the first thing that comes up in SEO in the search results. Um, so I'm, I'm putting a lot of my time and effort into that and those sorts of things, especially YouTube this year as well. And you can still make, you know, good money on YouTube, even in 2021, like it's not too late. You can still start a blog in 2019. It's not too late. You'll still find niches. So that's been a really interesting thing for me to see is like, I thought it was super saturated everywhere. There is no ideas that have not been done kind of thing. And as I got into it, I, even right now, there's still stuff in local. I've been talking to other people who have, you know, come to me who want to start a specific, like state specific blog or podcast, whether they live in like Carolinas or Washington or anything like that, that they have blogs. And I think that a lot more state specific things will be happening because of how the pandemic was as well, less uh, focus on the international travel and more on domestic travel. There's definitely opportunities everywhere for that, that maybe haven't been there before, or maybe have you kind of pump up the volume on the, the domestic travel a little bit more. If you're a really, if you know a lot about a specific state or you're an expert at it, consider starting a podcast or a YouTube channel or something about that specific state and helping people explore it, because I think the need will definitely be there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely not too late. There's so much potential. I think the online space is just going to grow more and more. And more and more people are going to be, you know, opening up their minds to the fact that it's a viable way, as you've shown, 
you know, you can do a lot of different things to make money on your own terms, whether it's freelancing, whether it's affiliate marketing, whether it's, you know, advertising um, with, you know, Mediavine or, you know, other things. Like there are a lot of different ways where you can be in control. And what I love about like this venture for you is that you took everything that you learned from before and, all, you know, all your experience, you were very clear on what you wanted what you wanted to do, what you wanted to get out of it, and then what you didn't want to do, you know, or what will come later and realizing that you don't have to do all the things as you're getting started. So I love that you've been so intentional and strategic about it. And that's why it's growing so quickly, even, I mean, with the, you know, with the disruption of a pandemic in the middle, in the middle of it. But I mean, it's just going to come out even stronger, this foundation that you've set because you've been so intentional with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's my hope and my goal for sure. I love it. And something that you're doing with your husband, which is so fun. So, okay. So I want to let people know where they can find you. Definitely at hashtag coloradolife.com. Please share all the places and also tell them about where they can find your book about how to sell a blog. Yeah. So the travel blog, like you said, is hashtag coloradolife.com. So you can find us on Instagram there at the same handle. And I do have my own personal Instagram handle, which is at Carrie Considers. I have my own portfolio blog, which is CarrieConsiders.com. And uh, on the site, you can find a link to my book, which is how to sell a blog or selling a blog actually is what it's called. And it's just a guide. It talks about everything you need to do to prepare if you wanted to sell your blog or you know anything, even if you wanted to know what the value of your blog is. I talk about like how to value your blog, the things you can sell with it, some things you can keep out of the sale, how to do all that. It's also on Amazon. So you can just type in selling a blog, you know, ebook, and you'll find it on Amazon there. Love it. Wonderful. It's been such a great conversation, Carrie. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Always fun to chat with you, but really love diving into your story and all the details and all your learnings too, from your your online business journeys along the way. Thank you so much. It's been so fun to talk about it. And I, I love having a chance to be on the podcast. It's been something that I've kind of dreamed about for a while. So this is really cool. Yay. Thank you, Carrie. All right. I want to give a huge thank you once again to Carrie for joining me on the podcast. It was so great to catch up with her and to dive deep into her story. It was so fascinating to learn more than I even knew before about her journey for these past 10 years. She has had an incredible career online. She's really proven that you can make money in so many different ways in this online world with the power of the internet, but it's super important to figure out where your sweet spot is. And you can see in this interview that as soon as Carrie honed in on her sweet spot, where she really excelled most, then that's when things took off in her career in many different avenues. So I hope that you took many lessons learned from this interview. Make sure you check out Carrie's podcast. Make sure that you follow her on Instagram at hashtag Colorado Life. And once again, I will have all the links and resources that Carrie and I mentioned in this episode at monicalouie.com slash 91. And don't forget about my limited time promotion on Flourish with Facebook ads. You can save $100 off the join fee for Flourish with Facebook ads right now with code iOS100. So once again, I'll put all the links and resources in today's episode in the show notes at monicalouie.com slash 91. All right. That is all for today. Thank you so much for joining Carrie and me today. And I will talk to you again next week on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. So hit that subscribe button and join me for next week's episode of the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. Take care, stay healthy, and let's flourish. Thank you.